a Highline podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a good one. All right. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. We just cracked a nice cold one on a Friday. Amen. Went spraying everywhere. There's probably beer on the ceiling I now, got but beer on my chin. <laughs> it's a good feeling yeah, on a Friday. <laughs> doesn't suck. Um, how you doing? I'm good. Excellent. I am very good. Nicer weather. Feels like spring. The sunshine's been making me happy. Oh, me too. Even though we had had some snow this week, but uh, it was a very Montana spring week. Yeah. We had like a 60 degree day that was beautiful, and then we had snow, and then the next day it was, you know, mid-50s again. Uh, it's been wild. Sunday, yeah, last Sunday, fun. was the first front porch beer that I've had oh, of the year. very nice. Like 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cracked the cold one, sat out there. Totally. Yeah, you know, Saturday for me was, that was my first, like, well, I can't say it was my first dive back into white wine, but <laughs> it was the first sort of backyard hangout kind of night. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, warm enough. So we're just going to dive into the beer because it. it's actually really tasty. Yeah. Oh, are you enjoying it? Oh, oh I am very okay, much. Excellent. <laughs> so um, tonight we are drinking a uh, Red Lodge Ales beer. Which I grew up hanging out in Red Lodge and going to the Beartooth Mountains, so plenty of Red Lodge ales have been drunk. But uh, tonight we're we're having ourselves a uh, Checkmate Pilsner. This sucker is five point one percent, twenty six IBU. It's a Pilsner, right? It's not super hoppy. Here's straight from the horse's mouth. Checkmate Pilsner is modeled after the famous Czech style beers. It has a straw gold color with a soft biscuit like malt flavor. The mouthwatering Czech hops linger on the tongue. The Pilsner cold ages for eight weeks, making its finish clean and easy. And I would agree. Totally. Very, very tasty. Yeah. I love a good Pilsner. Me too. And I don't drink enough of them. If I go light, I go Pilsner. Like I don't really drink lagers, but drink a good Pilsner. Yeah. And it just does have a great flavor. Yeah, this is nice. I've never had anything from Red Lodge Ales. It's good. Good times, good beer, apparently, is their motto. Yes. They've got some, uh, they've got Bent Nail, which is their IPA. Mm. I've had Bent Nail. Okay. Never and then mind. they've got another <laughs> one that's like their double IPA. Maybe it's called Double Bent Nail. <laughs> it, it's, More Bent yeah, Nail. Yeah, <laughs> it's something other nail. But uh, it's a good option. Always a good option. So Nice. If you're in the state, grab yourself some Red Lodge Ales. Very good. I like Pilsners on the river. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's oh, good river beer. Okay, so this is going to segue into your story that you want to tell oh. because of my <laughs> yeah. clients, but hear me out. The people that I'm doing work for right now who are just absolutely amazing, they push food on us. I, I think I've already mentioned this like three times. Like All they do, they're like, we're going to bake you stuff. We're going to give you stuff. I'm like I'm doing Lent, and so I'm trying to be good <laughs> and not eat this stuff but it's um, nice that you can drink during Lent yeah <laughs> I, I think I don't know have a beer once yeah, a week whatever. okay um, but so like no butter and all that stuff but right. they push food but they, 
I got to try at their house these hop teas. Oh. And it's their canned like iced tea. Interesting. That are hopped. So there's like a hibiscus, like green tea with like citra hop. And then there's like mm. a relaxing chamomile with, with hops. And it tastes kind of like, I mean, it's like beer-ish, but it's not alcoholic. Is it carbonated? Yeah. Interesting. But it's so good. Wow. And Barry, the the our client, was like, "Yeah, I I like drinking these while I'm floating the river or fishing, because you know you don't just get totally wasted." Yeah, because there's no alcohol. <laughs> yeah, but it's like cold and hoppy, yeah. refreshing. Yeah, nice. I like that. So it's been good. But we were just joking before we uh, turned on record. <laughs> we were driving back today, and my buddy that I work with was like. Is this like a Hansel and Gretel thing? Like they're fattening us up <laughs> just to eat us? <laughs> they're like, they're so nice and generous with you guys. And every time I come over, you have another story of their generosity and it's wonderful. But yeah, you have to pause and think like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. What happens at the end of the job? Yeah. Do they uh, make a proposition? No, I think that's just <laughs> us not being uh, accustomed to it. But. No, of course. Yeah. They probably just take pity on two young men and oh, think they I hope would it's need... not pity. Well, yes. <laughs> I guess that's the wrong word, but I just mean like as parents, yeah, I'm sure yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, these young boys yeah, yeah. need food and you know, whatever. And But we're all the time like, we can't do it. We can't, No more, please. Yeah. <laughs> Barry's like, you ate that sandwich fast. Next time we'll get you two. Right. And you're like, like, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to work. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know you're like an excellent cook and eat pretty pretty darn well oh they know this we talked about it and i was like they're like it must be hard being on lit i was like i do plenty of cooking it's fine yeah and so they don't know i have a podcast and hopefully they never do and if they ever listen (laughs) if they listen to it it'll be after we're done working but uh we got all we're gonna make them so many things when we're done yeah we're gonna make them cutting boards and wood utensils um the homeowner really wants like a bread box Oh, okay. So we're we're having Barry do a little reconnaissance to see what kind of bread box his wife wants. Okay. We're gonna make that, and we're gonna get him some stuff, and I'm gonna bake him food and bread, and nice. just be like, "Look, thank you. Yeah, you went above and beyond anything that you needed to or should have." Probably, I won't say that, but <laughs> yeah, just warms my heart. They're very kind. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That uh, just reminded me the. This our joke that this could be a cult reminded me of um the Cutco craze from my youth when I was in high school that you did not experience. I, correct? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh and I had joked that that's because you grew up in a nice place. Um, but <laughs> the the Bay Area is nice, but yeah. it's a little rough. But uh sure. yeah, I feel like every kid I knew in the Bay Area, like every kind of shit rat kid like <laughs> was involved in Cutco. I never got involved in Cutco, but a lot of my friends did. And it was just a pyramid scheme. And they sold knives. <laughs> oh, it's called Cutco. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they literally would sell and not like 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 cooking knives, you know, like a chef's knife or a paring knife oh, or a bread okay. knife okay. or whatever. I don't think they sold like, you know, Utili- knives, utility knives or anything like blades, that. Yeah, no. butterfly knives, scalpels. Right. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- I don't think so. <laughs> and so, anyway, it was just funny. It was like there was like this, you know, I don't know, six month period where it seems like every sixteen year old with like dysfunctional parents was like selling knives, <laughs> and it was like a get rich quick scheme. And 
I have to say, thankfully, I had the foresight to recognize that, like, <laughs> this is a scam. But uh, it would have ended up like those Girl Scout cookies. You would have had a closet full of knives that you sold right, that exactly. you never delivered. <laughs> That's true. I would have just ripped off the people ripping people off. Uh, yeah, totally. I think actually, now that I'm telling this story, I'm pretty sure that one of the gals I met when I moved here who came from the East Coast, came from New York, she... I'm pretty sure she had, they had cut a Cutco thing going on out there too. <laughs> Cutco from coast to coast. <laughs> yeah. Empower, and, you know, I don't even, enlisting disgruntled youth. <laughs> Man, we need to start something. We need a whiskey bench Cutco equivalent. Yeah. A whiskey bench pyramid scheme. Yeah. Totally. But like this time it's different. Right. <laughs> what could they sell? It's like an upside down pyramid scheme, right? Right. It'll be legit. Right. <laughs> I would say I have to do something with like bootlegging, but it's hard with like the whole like becoming a public figure. And right. Like you can't really run like, you know, Dukes of Hazard kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a, a, you know, the world has become boring, but that's totally whatever. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a choice determining the direction of the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah so whatever we do it's gonna be super legit and boring right <laughs> right it's gonna be like you know branded booze and gear bar uh equipment accessories and equipment whiskey bench yoga mats whiskey bench yoga mats and that bar would actually, that would be cocktail stirs <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny we could do we could whiskey do bench pipes that would be cool that could be neat or uh what else is like an upper wheelhouse you could do like little whiskey bench plant things. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Or you could like make custom pots for plants. Yeah. That could be cool. I could learn how to throw some pots. Look, uh, my, my <laughs> point being like, we're going to be, we're going to be, you know, pushing stuff out eventually. And we're going to be hawking a lot of shit <laughs> and we need you to spend your hard-earned money on us <laughs> it'll be quality stuff though it will be cutting boards mm -hmm. torna made a beautiful cutting board for friends i was lucky enough to get one for christmas it was gorgeous it's just made two more last week for some people very nice very late it was like gonna be a christmas gift <laughs> and then it was like oh, i should do this yeah. for valentine's day and then it was like it's just a random surprise. Here you go. Have yeah. some <laughs> cutting boards. I like giving and getting gifts randomly rather That's than nice. on holidays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, hey, great. I was thinking of you. Yeah. It's March 21st. Yeah, here like, you go. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Today's April 1st, by the way. Oh, yeah. New month. Also, goof, a joke. goofy day. Right. I didn't see any jokes anywhere. I've been disconnected from the world quite a bit <laughs> that's nice so it's like i didn't even realize the only the only uh joke that i saw which is beer related guys is um founders the beer company out of michigan announced that they are they uh made their kentucky breakfast out they they made a uh they call it kbs they made uh a crystal clear kbs it's like their new release like a completely clear stout ah right as uh -huh. a joke yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. All right, that's nice. But other than that, it's another day. Just another day. Yeah. No laughs. Yeah, there were some good laughs. There's <laughs> nothing too crazy. Um, anything else going on? Any other updates? 
Um, I had an op-ed published. Excellent. Where at? Uh, Inside Sources. And then I'm going to do an interview on it next Tuesday. And I'm going to work on another op-ed tomorrow. Um, nice. But this is an idea I've been toying with and we need to talk about. But I'm starting to get frustrated with this, like editing pitching cycle mm-hmm. so for example with this last piece i like stayed home one weekend and cranked this piece out so that it would be timely yeah and the editors thankfully like got it back to me within 24 hours which is good because they recognized that it was timely and then i pitched it got it placed but they didn't run it for two weeks no so it's not time they just sat on it for two yeah. weeks and i was like tried to politely tell the editor like i think you're wrong and you should run it right now and then by the time he ran it, there were a million stories already on it uh, about like the Ukraine situation demonstrating why energy independence is so important, how you can't like push through to the right. green plan until you have a viable alternative, which we don't, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, so, and then the inflation piece mm-hmm. before that was like a month long delayed frustrating process. So I'm starting to think like, maybe I should just start a Substack. That'd be super and like cool. say screw it, and then I can just start publishing things immediately. Yeah, just become you know? independent. We'll see. I think that's cool. I think yeah, it would be cool. It also like you know the other process it has its downsides, but there's more credibility getting published in like actual publications. True. True. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe the costs are starting to outweigh the benefits. We'll see. But if there's a whiskey bench. I don't know. Like, do the whiskey bench listeners would they be interested in maybe a whiskey bench Substack? That would be super. Maybe it's fun. not just mine. Maybe it's like a podcast branded Substack. That would be really cool. Yeah. Maybe you could force me to be like, "Hey, Stephen, you should write something." Totally. You should like learn how to write again and, and you know practice those English skills that you haven't used in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be a really good like little motivator, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. If any of our any of you guys listening like that idea, tweet at us. Yeah, that'd be really, really DM cool. us. Yeah. Whatever. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a poll. I'll do a poll on our social that media. That would be cool. That'd be really Maybe cool. Maybe I'll do that. And then no matter what the results are, just do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't control us. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> cool. Well. That is super exciting. I will be thinking about that. And uh, yeah, I need something to motivate me to get thoughts out there anyway. So yeah, I like that a lot. So tonight, I mean, we're being a little goofy now, but this is just a fun news and brews episode. We just wrapped up our ideology series, which I encourage everyone to listen to all of the episodes. If you so dare, there's a lot of great stuff in there, which is going to be very important for our next little mini-series that we're going to be diving into. So tonight we're just enjoying a beer, and we're going to do a little bit of some brief updates on the Ukraine situation, which, I mean, before we turn on the mics tonight, we even mentioned that it's still just so rapidly changing, and information is altering all the time. That notes we took, you know, two days ago are pretty much irrelevant. Yeah. And so... (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do a little update, not dive into anything too crazy, and then uh, just let you guys know our next series is going to be on Ukraine 
uh, predominantly. We want to dive into a little bit of history. I don't know how far back we're going to go. I'm thinking at least World War II up through the 2014 conflict and then into the current conflict. And I think that will involve some information about Russia, but in and of itself, I think Russia is its own topic. So we're going to have to dive into that a little bit, I think. Well, not I think. I know we're going to have to dive yeah. into that a little bit. They're intertwined. But this is, I think, predominantly going to be Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, is that... You- yeah, but I mean, especially since World War II, like the story yeah. of Ukraine is very much a story of right. Russia. Exactly. So, yeah. So... We'll be discussing both. But I see what you mean, that like the emphasis and the focus is going to be on Ukraine, not on Russia. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. So that's going to be super exciting. All of this political ideology stuff that we've talked about is going to be key. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a blast, honestly. Yeah. So. Slash heartbreaking. Yes. <laughs> but Lots of heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this evening, uh, April 1st, 2022, as we're recording, we're going to dive into a little bit of news. We've already ta- talked a little bit about Ukraine in the past. Just, hey, this is what kind of is going on. Things are changing a lot. It's kind of the same deal. How far back do we want to dive in? I mostly have like the last week. Yeah, I was just going to um, kind of give like status update. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, right off the bat, I have, and compare with me, UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR says there are and this was March 27th that I got these numbers. Okay. Um, 3,821,049 Ukrainians that have fled the country with nearly 7 million internally displaced mm-hmm. uh, within Ukraine. That sounds about right. 3.8 okay. million is the rounded out number for okay. refugees I have. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then as far as casualties go, this has been a lot more difficult for me to... Yeah. Uncover now a couple weeks ago, there were wild claims that mm-hmm. like Russia had lost like 8,000 soldiers and I saw 6,000 and you know, whatever. Um, but the most recent that I've seen, which I think was Thursday, no, Wednesday, so that'd be the, the, on 30th the, on the 30th, was Russia's claiming that they have lost 1,351 soldiers. And the United Nations say they can confirm 1,081 civilian deaths in Ukraine. 1,081? Okay. The UN numbers I have from April, from today. Yep. 1,276 killed. Uh-huh. 1,981 injured. Gotcha. Um, then the U.S. military's latest estimate is between 2,000 and 4,000 Ukrainian armed forces. National Guard and volunteer forces have been killed. Mm-hmm. So that's not including civilians. Yep. Um, and then the U.S. military also estimates that somewhere between 5,000 and 6,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. And the Ukrainians are saying that more than 12,000 Russians have been killed. Right. And that's why this 1,300 is like, you know, obviously that, that, that yeah. was Russians Russia's. Russians are lowballing it and right, Ukrainians exactly. are probably inflating it. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, I saw a great post that was... uh. I took a screenshot of it, but it was basically like, I think it maybe was Tesseron News, who's associated with Atlas, um, saying like, hey, when you look at like these wild estimates, he's like, take the low number and the high number, and then he like divides by three or something, and he's like, it's surprisingly accurate, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, something like that. Something, like, yeah. Which, I shouldn't laugh and joke about that, right? That's very sad, but it's the nature of what's going on right now. That's 
what I've seen for for casualties kind of tied with that. There's been a lot of rumors as of today with all of the information about Chernobyl and forces being removed. Reports of Russian soldiers for like the last two weeks doing patrols and going through area with no sort of PPE. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of reports of like radiation poisoning. Yeah. And digging trenches. Yep. And digging trenches. In like radioactive zones. Right. Uh, but I did see, and I think Tesseron, let me see, I, I've got this here. Let's see, it was Atlas News as of yesterday, their news story. It's actually a really nice little article talking about the uh, radiation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, hey, look, here are the reports. They're saying that people are dying. People are getting really sick. But then he goes, this is probably not true because, like, realistically, here are the levels, how long they've been there. Like, they're obviously being exposed to radiation, but it's not nearly as bad as I think it's being inflated. Totally. But it is something that I think will have long-term effects, so. For sure, yeah. I I haven't seen any reports of people, like, claiming that these Russian soldiers are dying immediately from being there. No, no, nothing like like that. That's insane and not how that would work. Right, but there are reports that they're having to send people to Belarus for medical care for radiation yeah Um, so well yeah i i guess what is confirmed is that the russians are have left chernobyl and they have retreated to belarus and whether they're doing that because the russian military is ordering them to because they realize that it's no longer safe or because strategically they're just like repositioning i don't know right and that was something that is confirmed they actually they handed back control to ukrainian operators Mm -hmm. To manage the site because there's also another power plant there, correct? The there's one that is in operation near the. I don't know. Anyway, they they know. they were in control of it. They've handed it back over to people managing it that are Ukrainian. Yeah. Um, and withdrawing, and they also with that made a statement saying that they're going to start reducing their military presence in Kiev and um, Kharkiv, I think. Uh. No, Chern Cherniv. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sharon. Yeah. Well, and that's a part of sort of the Uh, peace negotiations. That was like one of the concessions, you could call it, that the Russians made. Um, But they're still, they are, again, it's a question of like, you know, they're still fighting taking place Mm -hmm. in like the outskirts of these cities. And so for a few days after they made that declaration and the peace negotiations, the Ukrainians were saying, like, they're not keeping their promise, like, they're still shelling, blah, blah, blah. But U.S. intelligence confirmed that they have retreated at this point. And again, it's a question mm-hmm. of, like, how much is that is to achieve these, like, peace negotiation goals? Or is it just that they are trying to sort of cut their losses, retreat, reassess, and then come up with a, a different attack plan right exactly and so those negotiations ended yesterday correct yes and i have not seen any reports on on what the results of that are but uh, i think there's gonna be more like another round of talks so march 29th they did their pullback of troops so russia announced that they were pulling back troops in kiev and then they also announced that the first phase of their invasion was completed and now their focus is in in quote fully liberating donbass We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James, 
for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Into Podcast. And it's that I got this unusual gift of finding out that my love has an incurable autoimmune disease that will shorten her life by up to 20 years. That seems like an odd gift, but... My stupid, dumb, giant tattoo on my ribs. Mm. I have grown to love so much Mm. over the years. Yeah, freaking nerd. (laughs) Tell me what you like about me. Don't be a dude. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Name 10 things about Katie that you like then. Oh, yeah, you like me? Why don't you marry me, sucker? (laughs) Name her first album. Yeah. And now, back to our conversation. Here is a quote from an Atlas News article. While the options of peace are on the table, Russia will likely use the time to pull back, regroup, and resupply if they choose to continue operations north and east of Kiev, as the current tempo is unsustainable with Russian advancements stalling as stalling for weeks in these areas. Mm-hmm. So obviously, not obviously, but it seems like it probably is more of a strategic thing, kind yeah. of saving face. Buying some time. Yeah, but yeah. obviously things have been changing. So Right. I think one other um, useful thing to point out regarding the peace negotiations um, is that Ukraine has made some offered i shouldn't say made but offered some concessions Mm -hmm. uh notably being um adopting a neutral status and agreeing to not join nato yep or any other military alliances in that region but if they were to do that they're demanding that they have some sort of security guarantee from western countries um which i think is a understandable uh sort of element that they'd want however i think that's probably like a non-starter for the russians yes i think so um so it'd be interesting to see you know the neutrality i think is probably something that russia would be on board with for sure yeah um i think they would even be okay with kind of like a separate security guarantee yes maybe amongst baltic states but not associated with nato yeah that's right right but they're talking about like they want it from the NATO members. But right, just, exactly. You know, so it's like, Which well, is like, again, as what's the people difference? have claimed before, like, you'll be NATO in practice, but not in name. And right. More stuff we'll dive into later. So that'll be interesting to see where any, if any, ground will be made yeah. on that. You know, even though these talks are going on, Ukraine did successfully just launch their first airstrike against Russia. So they actually were able to strike now, important oil so i mean they're denying that they did that well right yeah no i know i mean yeah. i think it's likely that they did but <laughs> they are denying that they did that okay yeah what do i have on that do you want to share more information about that uh, no i don't i i just saw like this morning reports on that so they they attacked a, an oil storage facility yep which is very important for operations right now it's close enough that it's a it's a key operational a hub for okay the current operation in ukraine yeah so it's very important for russia so it is a key mm-hmm. location yeah and from and no civilians were killed but to your point it yep. was a strategic target um right. and from what i read uh through the bbc they quoted a russian defense ministry spokesman mm-hmm. uh 
I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, but Igor Konashenkov. And he said that two Ukrainian Mi-24 helicopters entered Russian airspace at extremely low altitude Mm -hmm. and launched a missile attack on a civilian oil storage facility on the outskirts of Belgorod. Some storage tanks were damaged and caught on fire, but no civilians were killed. And from what, you know, the experts that the BBC interviewed for the story, and I don't know anything about this, but from what they described, they said that the, the way those helicopters would have had to maneuver to hit the target the way they did, uh-huh. it would have required like exceptional skill, apparently. Because it was really, really low, dark enemy territory, like that was a high yeah. risk move. I won't say anything, but maybe non-Ukrainian pilots. <laughs> oh, right. That's interesting that you say that because the story kept emphasizing like how like Ukrainians are known for how fantastic their pilots are. And, I don't. That could be true. And maybe that's know. true. But I was like, I it don't... did feel like a kind of a weird element <laughs> right, to the yeah. piece. So that's interesting. That's just the first thing that popped into my head. Don't listen to me. Guys. We're not spreading propaganda. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Another important update is right now in Donbass regions, there are separatist groups like Ukrainian separatist groups that want to vote to become part of Russia currently. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, Leader of Ukraine separatist Lunkans region, which is in the Donbass area, Mm -hmm. they want to have a vote to have their territory become part of Russia, which going into this, we know that a lot of the eastern part of Ukraine is like pretty pro-Russia. Right. So there's conflict there. I think that'll be part of the negotiations. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and trying to have a trying to have a vote in the middle of a siege is absurd. Right. Is absurd. <laughs> and this ties into Ukrainian Ministry of Defense just announcing that like Russia's plan is to split Ukraine into two parts. Right. To create a Moscow controlled region and then like a independent Ukrainian region. Yeah. Which is the Donbass area, right? So Yeah. Well, so on that point, I actually want to read something Um, that is from a Brett Stevens uh, op-ed. He's an opinion editor, or excuse me, that's not the right title. He's uh, (laughs) he's like an opinion columnist for the New York Times. Brett Stevens, he's like their token conservative. I had forgotten about Brett Stevens. I used to have a massive crush on Brett Stevens <laughs> when I was in high school. And I saw his name pop up the other day and I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about him. Now, his biopic is far more handsome than oh, he, he's old now. But okay. anyway, but anyways, <laughs> I was reading his stuff and I had for- totally forgotten. About it. I was like obsessed with his writing for a long time and I haven't read any of it since he used to write for the journal and then he moved to the times and I like stopped reading him, but which is my own fault. But anyway, so he had a really great op-ed that we can share in the show notes. um, And he put forth this idea. He said, quote, suppose for a moment that Putin never intended to conquer all of Ukraine, that from the beginning, his real targets were the energy riches of Ukraine's East, which contain Europe's second largest known reserves of natural gas after Norway's. Combine that with Russia's previous territorial seizures in Crimea, which has huge offshore energy fields, and the eastern provinces of Luhansk and Donetsk, which contain part of an enormous shale gas field, as well as Putin's bid to control most or all of Ukraine's coastline and the shape of Putin's ambitions become clear. He's less interested in reuniting the Russian-speaking world than he is in securing Russia's energy dominance. 
Under the guise of an invasion, Putin is ex- executing an enormous heist, said Canadian, excuse me, said Canadian energy expert David Knight-Legg. As for what's left of a mostly landlocked Ukraine, it will likely become a welfare case for the West, which will help pick up the tab for resettling Ukraine's refugees to new homes outside of Russian control. In time, Viktor Orban-like figure, a Viktor Orban-like figure could take Ukraine's presidency imitating the strongman style of politics that Putin prefers in his neighbors. It also makes sense of his strategy of targeting civilians. More than simply a way of compensating for the incompetence of Russian troops, the mass killing of civilians puts immense pressure on Zelensky to agree to the very things Putin has demanded all along, territorial concessions and Ukrainian neutrality. The West will also look for any opportunity to to de-escalate, especially as we convince ourselves that a mentally unstable Putin is prepared to use nuclear weapons. Within Russia, the war has already served Putin's political purposes. Many in the professional middle class, the people most sympathetic to dissidents like Alexei Navalny, have gone into self-imposed exile. The remnants of a free press have been shuttered, probably for good. To the extent that Russia's military has embarrassed itself, it is more likely to lead to a well-aimed purge from above than a broad revolution from below. Russia's new energy riches could eventually help it shake loose the grip of sanctions. Which is very important because... Since 2014 specifically, sanctions have continually been brought forth against Russia. It was like 2014, 2016, and then now. And they've just gotten more and more and more strict. And they're obviously seeing the effects of that and they're feeling it. And they're really feeling it now. And so, again, just things, motivation. And so that's, that's very interesting. I think we it would be wise to not be too comfortable in our consensus that's forming around Putin being a madman and the Russians being these like you know dunces that aren't capable of doing And that's anything. and that's why I have said this many times. I was like I I don't think that he's crazy. I don't think that he's insane or has gone mad. It's just I don't know. I think there's more there. I think that's the lazy answer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think he's brutal and ruthless. Yep. But strategic. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, well, we'll share that in the... We're going to have a ton of links for this Yeah, episode. I have like six news <laughs> yeah. article links. And, cool. Um, it'll, be, it'll be good. The only other things I can think of right off the bat, you know, in the last week, uh, Zelensky is still pushing Western forces for, for weaponry and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of reinforcements have already been given, right? So I think there's still push for more. Yeah. Do we want a number on? I have some numbers on that. Oh, you do? I don't. Yeah. So that would be very yeah. interesting. No, I don't have like a comp- gotcha. comprehensive list of the types of weapon and how many, but we are sending just recently announced like yesterday, I think we're sending a new package of humanitarian aid worth a billion dollars and then an additional 500 million in direct budgetary aid. So just like funding yeah. their government. And then we've already sent, we appropriated $13.6 billion in aid um, as a part of the $1.5 trillion omnibus appropriations yep. package. And none of that, that's all like response to the invasion. We obviously have been arming and supplying them with funding for like decades. Well, since 2014. Yeah. Right. At least. And before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway, a lot of money. Yes. I had a couple other things to note. Uh, so obviously, Mariupol in like on the coast uh, of the Sea of Azov, and that's in sort of like the eastern 
more contested half pro-Russian territory. Um, that's probably the worst besieged city of them all. Um, and it's pretty horrific. That's where like, you know, maternity wards have been bombed and yeah. that sort of thing has happened. Um, totally decimated. Uh, so there are reports that Russian troops are forcibly deporting Ukrainians from Mariupol and taking them to Russia. Whether that's forced or not, I don't know. Depends yeah. on who's telling you, right? Obviously, the Russians would say they're not. They're just like evacuating people, and the Ukrainians are saying that they're like kidnapping people and repopulating them in Russia. Yep. A ceasefire was agreed to, um, and the UN and the Red Cross were supposed to conduct an evacuation from the city on Thursday. And then basically, the Russians have like screwed it up every time and like keep blocking buses and like blocking the UN, blocking the Red Cross, and like the fighting continues and it's too dangerous for them to try to conduct the evacuation. So then it got moved to today, Friday, and I haven't seen an update on whether it was successful or not. But the latest news from yesterday, like last night, was that uh, the Russians were still like blocking routes to get people out and like bombing the routes. So that's a nightmare. The other thing that I think is worth noting is there was a little bit of a standoff that's kind of still ongoing between Russia and the EU regarding uh, gas exports. Correct. Uh, Putin said, yeah, and I guess maybe if I feel like everybody is aware of this, but like obviously the EU is very dependent on Russia for their uh, oil and natural gas imports. They import about 40% of its gas um, and a third of its oil from Russia. So they're sort of over a barrel pun intended mm -hmm. um and putin sort of laid it out and said that he's only going to accept payments for his oil and gas in rubles that kind of left the european union scrambling a little bit right because they haven't banned importing the fossil fuels from them because they Cause need they it can't because they can't <laughs> they can't but they have participated in other sanctions right yes. like financial sanctions I think Putin, though, uh, last I read, Putin sort of, I think he, they caught his bluff and he was like, all right, I'll continue to accept like euros and dollars. Mm -hmm. But I think this, that like, he's going to keep trying to play that right for, yeah. you know, so they're not out of the woods, but I think for now it's settled down, but that's obviously leverage that he has on the flip side. He needs their money too. True. Right. Like yeah, exactly. They need his resources, but he also needs their money. I mean, that's a right. huge. But he's portion. also balancing this to keep his his currency stable. Right. Well, and that's and why he that's wanted why to he demand rubles. Right. Yeah, Which exactly. Brilliant. And, yeah. Yeah. Know, their, didn't work, but. their currency has been because of like strict limitations within Russia. Their currency is actually the ruble has actually rebounded, mm -hmm. which has led a lot of people to be like, wait, are the sanctions not working? And. Uh, I would say that like the sanctions are creating a lot of devastation and but certainly not, in the long you know, term yes. they will, but he's come up with a way to kind of like artificially mm -hmm. keep the ruble or have the ruble rebound in terms of its value because he's only allowing people to like, people aren't allowed to exchange for dollars and that sort of thing. Right. Right. So that can only work for so long. Yep. Exactly. The AP has put out as of 26, AP announced or or officially claim that 36 medical facilities have been attacked mm. or 34 mil military facilities have been attacked by Russia. 
Um, so that's Associated Press. We did just recently have, I think, the closest landing of a missile to NATO borders. 37 miles from Poland, a missile did go off, mm-hmm. which if fighting continues more towards the west, this is, this is what I had, I think, told you. I don't know if I said this on air. That my worry was that it would push far enough over that there might accidentally be a misfire or something that goes into NATO territory. Right. Again, but that's pretty close, 37 miles. Yeah. Other than that, on our side, we've just been dealing with some unfortunate, unclear language from our president uh, <laughs> concerning very important topics <laughs> right. in Ukraine and them kind of working on walking that back mm-hmm. and Putin calling him out on it and things like that. Yeah. Way to just completely validate <laughs> all of Putin's concerns. Right. right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Really bad foreign policy. Yeah, totally. One other thing I'd like to note, or maybe two other things. Yeah. Uh, so another story that was kind of tr- not well, actually it didn't get that much attention, but it was on BBC for a while. The, there's a video circulating on the internet of what appears to be Russian soldiers who have been captured by Ukrainian forces mm-hmm. being like bound and interrogated and shot at close range in so, the legs. So this is something that I didn't bring up because I didn't know if we wanted to dive into that, but okay, I'm very aware of Is it too much to dive into? Uh, I don't think it's too much to dive into, okay. but okay. There's, um, there's far worse things than that floating around. Oh, are there? Okay. Far worse. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So actually two things. So, <clears throat> and you definitely know way more about that than yeah. I do, but like, so that video and you know, the BBC, whatever the, you know, the BBC's biased, but I also think their reporting, I think has been generally fair. Mm-hmm. And the piece they had about that, obviously they're like pro Ukrainian, like it's hard to hide that. Sure. But the experts that they brought in to like review the footage and weigh in, one, both of them said like, we want to remain anonymous. Right. And both of them said like, it looks like this is real. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if it was real. Right. And then the other really horrifying thing that I've heard is that, um, and again, this was another thing that like I read through the BBC and again, they because of the people that the, the experts that they interviewed to like review the like it, it's not it's it is true um because they actually interviewed the doctor and he admitted to it and then he kind of backtracked and then mm-hmm. there was like more footage anyway but there was a doctor who runs like a mobile medical clinic sort of thing like a triage thing um and service not thing um and he like put out a video calling for his doctors to castrate that's part of yep yeah yep captured russian soldiers and like that appears to be true too yes so there's pretty gross things happening on both sides both sides and that's the thing is yeah it's it's hard to confirm these things but there's plenty of things floating around of russian soldiers being captured and tortured you know execution by like slitting of people's throats torture castration execution far worse things that i don't really want to mm-hmm. talk about um yeah and you know i think we'll dive into this a little bit in our next our next series but like i don't think that's out of the picture at all some of it has been confirmed some of it, some of it hasn't 
like what you have to realize and, and I I don't know who's doing this but like you have to realize that there are Nazis in Ukraine fighting the Russians and that that is in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Totally. To do that to to Russians. Yeah. So, like we've said, especially with sanctions against the Russian people and even the Russian military like it's not all like kittens and rainbows for Ukraine. Like no, this it's is not the, this, this binary is, thing. This is the nature of war. Yeah. That they're, it's evil and it makes good men do evil things and it makes evil men have an excuse to do far more evil things. And as much as we think that or we want to believe and some in like some Ukrainians and some in the military and the excuse me in the government are certainly like Western liberals Mm -hmm. and i don't mean liberal in the american derogatory sense but in the way we've discussed it sort of classical liberal like liberal democracy as met you know there are that right that that culture is there but there's also another culture that is Mm -hmm. not conducive to like western liberal values and that are at conflict with them currently in the country yes totally and like so you yeah so it's it's just it's a lot messier than we are led to believe yes exactly yeah um but yeah you're right we will get into all of that more in exactly the next couple episodes one last little nugget i just want to drop out there and this also deserves a whole episode so we're not going to go into all of it right now because <laughs> it's, w- it. it's way too much yeah, yeah but it's like it's kind of adjacent to this ukraine issue um but the obama or excuse me <laughs> freddie slip the uh biden administration has been negotiating with iran for months now right well, yes year to sort of reinstate the joint uh what is it joint plan J- jcpoa um joint comprehensive plan i'm dyslexic and almost a joint plan of comprehensive something <laughs> anyways um uh so they've been trying to reinstate the jcpoa and um they're negotiating it what it looks like it's going to turn into is massive sanctions relief which means billions of dollars unleashed for iran and um which that they are the leading state sponsors of terror um and they abuse their people and like they're an evil Mm -hmm. regime um and they can't be trusted and there are no the problem with the original JCPOA <laughs> is that there this were no time real, it might be different. Right. And it's like it's absurd. And the, you know, original plan was so flawed because there was no real oversight. You know, we were allowed to have, you know, the third party, you know, what would you even call it? Like the I don't know, whatever, the the committee to oversee and investigate and make sure that Iran was actually sticking to the terms of the agreement. Uh, they were limited to, you know, only the places that the regime allowed them to go to mm-hmm. there's a sunset clause on the whole thing so anyway it was flawed we're trying to renegotiate it it sounds like it's just as flawed if not more from uh, as it was before which is scary um and the part that makes this relevant to our ukraine discussion is that um the russian foreign minister sergey lavrov is negotiating <laughs> he's the mediator mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's absurd, right? And like Rush, they're demanding that basically, like, whatever rules are written for Iran won't inhibit their ability to like trade and do deals with Iran, right? Like Russia, Iran, and China are aligned. 
you know, I mean, like they are like the modern day axis of evil. And we're like on one hand, like sanctioning Russia and pretending to get tough. And then on the other hand, we're like going to lift sanctions on the other enemy. That's their partner. And meanwhile, like the person that we're sanctioning is negotiating the deal to lift sanctions on the other guy. Like it's just it's such a mess. Yep. And it's terrifying. And it's also just like if it didn't have such serious consequences, it's laughable. It's like, really? We're putting sanctions on Russia. We're seizing yachts from private citizens. And then we're having their fucking foreign minister negotiate our deal with the leading state sponsor of terror. (laughs) It's just like it's horrible. It's like a bad movie. But anyway. Yep. I guess that's not there's no positive note to end on. (laughs) No, no, that's right. That's right. Hey, you know, sometimes you just got to you got to. You got to dive into it and you got to face it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's where we're at. And yeah. Um, the unfortunate reality is that this next series, I think, is going to be grim. It is. Um, but we'll try to make a good time of it. We'll make somehow. the news and brews in between. That's true. We're not we'll trying to make yes. those funny. Yes. Maybe. Because <laughs> we, we can do Ukrainian updates on our Ukrainian episodes. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. If something, you know, wild happens. Um, so our news and brews will kind of hopefully... Not hopefully, we get to choose. We'll try and make them lighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, sometimes you got to just talk about the hard stuff. Yeah. Totally. So it'll be good. As always, thank you for joining us. Hop on Twitter, Instagram, hang out with us. We'd love to see you there. On that note. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the Into Pod. Well, well, welcome. <clears throat> welcome to the Into Podcast, where we seek to insight, insight, pursuing truth for the sake of wonder. Meet my parents. That's, That's us. us. I'm Pops. I'm the Cotton Candy Queen. My wife, Katie. Hello. My best friend, Kevin. Am I the best friend or the wife? And me, Alex. Hey. Join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into. Enjoy some of our favorite bites from seasons one and two. We can only view it like through the context, like of what we were raised in, the religion that we were handed, and trying to make sense of it all. But basically, the only thing that's originally Kevin right now is his brain. Is he a human or a robot? Is he Kevin or not Kevin? Every time we have certain conversations, I immediately know that I feel, but not why I feel. Mm. (laughs) Because of the smell, she's throwing up. And then I'm still doing the wall sit. My thighs are quivering and I have this full bag of poop. We spark laughter and strive to deepen our understanding of the world and the things that we share it with. So pull up a seat. And let's get into it. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.